So I'd like to bring to the stage at this time, the podcast guest that I had and one that's gonna have a conversation with me. Please welcome Tabitha Richardson. Stage, I was really thinking about how I wanted to open today and I just thought let me just share my experience I can't talk for other people but I can talk for me um, we had a conversation before we ever started our podcast together about what we wanted to cover and we talked about three minutes and I said save this let's talk do you recall our conversation on the podcast and what we talked about yes I do uh, no, I was trying to take a sip of water <laughs> <laughs> There's more to it than that. What was our conversation for those that didn't get a chance to listen to it? So in our pre-conversation, we just had a full-on conversation, and I said, wait a minute. If we're going to talk about this, about diversity, um, inequalities in real estate, let me prepare a little bit more because it's such an important topic that I want to make sure that it's right. And so we rescheduled and we came back. And we talked about diversity, something that a lot of people don't talk about that often in real estate, or they just don't see it. And I'm really happy that you were interested in even having that conversation to bring some of the issues that uh, people of color face in real estate. But the part that caught me the most was generational wealth. Okay. So uh, I didn't buy my first house. I started real estate when I was 24. I didn't buy my first house till I was 28. So I was a renter selling product that I didn't own myself. I didn't understand the value of it. And then when I did buy my house at 28, the crash happened. So I never experienced a lot of equity. Jessica and I bought our house, I don't know, two and a half years ago. And just by the process of paying our mortgage, we were able to walk away with equity, a significant amount, just by paying our mortgage. Nothing more, not a lot down, just the paying the mortgage. But that generational equity uh, can't be built if the person doesn't have the opportunity to purchase. So let's talk about some of the things that you talked to me about in regards to opportunities that didn't exist, particularly for African-American uh, buyers and, and that scenario, please. So you did mention fair housing, and fair housing was enacted because there was unfair treatment in real estate, and many uh, people of color were just blocked out. There was redlining, um, where in the communities that they lived in, they couldn't even get financing to live there. They couldn't get financing to move outside of the inner cities into the suburbs because FHA didn't allow it. You couldn't sell to black people um, in new building, new building of suburban communities. If they did, they can lose you know, the benefits that they were receiving. So many people of color had no choice but to rent. That was the only thing that they could do. And in renting, generation after generation after generation, they were just renters and so they weren't able to pass down that wealth of owning a home you know earning equity in a home uh, pulling out that equity to 
invest in a business or um, put their children through college or even to just buy another home if their family grew. Um, they weren't able to pass that down, pass down a home that was maybe paid off and their children had that benefit of uh, getting this home that was paid off and getting a head start in life. So many people of color did not have that opportunity. And I'm not saying all, um, I don't wanna generalize, but a lot of people didn't benefit from that. And I'm seeing uh, many people now, older people, 60, 50, now buying their first house. Minorities? Or minorities, minorities. The majority of my clients are minorities. And I had a, a son who was purchasing a house and he really wanted his father to buy a house. And he connected me with his father. And at closing, he cried. He cried. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> he just started crying and he said, you don't know what this means to me. I never thought I would be able to buy a house, but his son encouraged him to buy a house. So he closed, uh, his son closed one month and his father closed the next month. And how, and how old was the father? He was, I, I believe, late 50s. Amazing. Those are the opportunities that were presented uh, because you were paying attention to it and working towards that. Now, today's session that we wanted to spend some time talking about was awareness. What are some of the things that you wanna make sure that our next homies know that some uh, demographics face that they may not see every day? Well, we face a lot. Um, but in real estate, oftentimes, and we were talking in the back about this, um, a discussion going on about removing the name off of the contract because that's just another line where an area where people can be discriminated against and the name would not go back on the contract until someone, their offer was accepted because sometimes you can tell uh, the race of a person by their name or they can take that name and they can look online and look on social media because most people are on so social media and uh, determine who is submitting an offer on their house and discriminate in that way and say, well, I don't wanna sell my house to that person. So that's something that's uh, being talked about now and I'm all for that because it shouldn't matter who's buying your house. Uh, there's so many ways that people get discriminated against. You know, we talked about in the appraisal process that homes of color get appraised for less than non-minority homes. Uh, they get appraised for higher. And so that is something that is, you know, high on the awareness scale right now. Part of that might be that we need to get more people of color in some of these positions uh, to be appraisers, you know, to go in the communities and, and seek these type of jobs so that maybe that happens less. It's interesting that you brought that up. Did anybody know that I was a police officer for about nine minutes before I was a real estate? Anybody know that? I was really good at that. I had the little pencil thin mustache. Hey, hey you, stop what you're doing. It didn't work very well. I can't imagine you as a police officer. You can't even imagine me as a police officer. You could have you kept that inside. 
Neither could the person I was trying to arrest. Um, but what I was going to say about that was is that uh, in the 14 people that were hired at my police department at that time, I was the only brown guy on the entire panel, right? Of the, of the 14 of us, I was the only one that was a minority. And you look at that and you're like, okay, was Emerson uh, an affirmative action hire, etc.? I don't know. Uh, maybe. Probably. But I think most importantly, when I think back to the police academy that I was a part of, there was 140 of us that applied and we went through a police academy together. There were only nine of us total that were minorities in the entire applicant pool going in. So the question doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't come from, hey, how come I was the only minority hire out of the 14? If you scaled it, it actually made sense. The question then becomes, how do we make the pool bigger to make sure people of color, minorities, women, LGBTQ, whatever the, the, the group is, wants to apply, wants to be a part of that. In housing, if I'm not mistaken, everybody would love to be a homeowner. Everybody would love the opportunity to build equity. So how, Tabitha, should we be more mindful? What can we do to make sure that we provide opportunities to those that really don't know where to go, what to do, how to get started, that maybe already think, I can't get a house. I don't have what it takes. So, if you know me, I'm on social media, and I do a lot on social media. It's really just educating people on the process. Now, as I've stated, we have generations of renters, and they just may not realize that they are able to purchase a home. And it's educating people, not assuming that just because someone is not seeking to buy a home that they don't want to buy a home, they might not know. They might not understand the benefits of home ownership and how that can you know, grow your net worth, build generational wealth. They just may not know. So just being a conduit uh, to education, to people in your sphere, in your community, and um, disseminating that information. Not always waiting for people to come to you, but you know, go to the people. If you think about it too, I was a renter for years prior to being in real estate, and when you, when you think about that, it's like, all right, my rent is $1,200 a month. If I had a mortgage, it's $1,400 a month. 14 is higher than 12, so I'd rather rent. Yeah. Right? Do some of our clients think that sometimes? But they don't factor in the fact that you're able to write off against your taxes with the interest or uh, you know insurance and all these pieces. The amounts that you put into your house for improvement gets to be able to be written off. But most importantly, in a rising uh, amount of sales price, I mean, this is the first time in history that the average sales price in real estate is above 400,000. Everything is rising, all of you know this. Just having your name on the deed as the owner, you're going to make money in this case, right? Tabitha, what are you doing personally in order to make people aware of opportunities and help them through it? So I just try to educate people. And you mentioned that example of people just look at the amount, 1200 versus 1400 I've had that conversation many times with buyers to help them understand that as a renter, 
you're not getting the benefits of deduction of a mortgage, but your landlord is. So no matter how you look at it, you're paying a mortgage. So why not it be you that get that benefit? And understand- You're paying a mortgage. It's just, is it yours or your landlord's? Right. No matter what, you're paying someone's mortgage. It should be your own mortgage. And really helping them understand that that $200 difference, you can potentially get that back. Oh yeah, and then some. We owned a house for two years. We had a six-figure uh, equity opportunity that came about from that. We did nothing but pay our regular mortgage. Not just like a renter would pay their regular rent. It just so happened to have the understanding of. Now you were part of a, a group that we talked to uh, about what we could do to be uh, more aware of the quality and making sure that we were paying attention to it. You along with others, there was a group of 12, 12 uh, next home people from all around the country, all uh, different groups. And NAR has a, a certification called At Home with Diversity, one that you've already gone through. At Home with Diversity is a one day course and at the end of the course, you can be certified as an at-home with diversity realtor. It's a certification, you own it for as long as you're a valid realtor. And uh, we don't just talk, we do. Right? That was important to you if you were gonna get involved. I don't wanna hear the lip service. You've been around companies in your 17 years in real estate, it was just lip service. So here's what we've done. We've decided as a company to pay for every single person in the entire franchise to get their album of diversity. And uh, when we made this decision, it was one that we made quickly, a conversation. And I, and, and I get emotional thinking about this because it makes me realize that we need to be paying attention to this. And it's the first time ever in history of NAR that a company is going all the way across from agent number one to agent number 5200 to say we're making commitment. We will pay for the certification course for you. The only thing that you need to pay for is your certification after you complete it and you are a certified at home with diversity realtor for your career. I think that that's the kind of commitment from a company level that we want you to know it means something to us. Because I'm tired of reading scripted legal mumbo jumbo when something happens to where they say thoughts and prayers or we should, we should be better. Enough with the talk. We're gonna do it. I just wanna say, I really commend the company. And when you said that you that I only wanted to participate if, if something was going to happen, that's very true. And let me just tell you, I don't hold anything back when we're on those meetings with James Dwiggins. And he soaks it all in. And he's committed to having a company that everyone can feel comfortable being a part of, can feel inclusive, um, included in decisions because sometimes when things happen in companies, you wonder, well, how did that happen? They didn't have anyone at the top to tell them like that was a bad decision. 
Well, you guys are committed to making sure that each group has a voice in some of the decisions because I did say in our marketing, there's not enough black people in our marketing. And you guys jumped on it. And I'm proud and happy to say that I'm part of the company. I'm proud to say that my company um, believes in diversity and is uh, putting their dollars behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna get an email following conference. In fact, it's gonna go company-wide. The email will go company-wide talking about the at-home with diversity training. I'll be doing the instruction May 3rd and May 5th. It's your choice on when you wanna have it. So all you have to do is uh, register through the email that we, we give you the information on. And uh, those are the two days that we're gonna have it. So that way you can get certified as such. And uh, without that diversity group along with you, Tabitha, uh, we couldn't do these things without your participation. So ladies and gentlemen, Tabitha Richardson. chills uh, knowing that we're making commitment on that level. It was something that was very important to us and uh, like I said, Tabitha was a big reason for that to happen.